This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 149. This week, we're thrilled to welcome legendary photographer David Loftus onto the podcast. David's had such a fascinating career, and we cover much of his journey from art school to becoming the photographer he is today. He talks about his unique style of food photography gives us some great tips on improving your own snapping skills and we discuss his role as head judge of the Pink Lady Food Photographer Awards and how it has evolved in the last eight years to become a brilliant showcase for food photography worldwide. Okay, so I'm delighted to welcome back today to the podcast, David Loftus. Welcome, David. Thank you. <laughs> um, you'll know David not only as a brilliant food photographer, but also portraits, travel, landscape, fashion and reportage. You really cover it all, don't you? I do try, <laughs> yes. Um, and you're here today because you're one of the head judges of the Pink Lady Food Photographer of the Year Awards, um, which was established, I think, back in 2011. We were just saying that there are 27 categories now, I think, altogether, including the kids' categories. Yeah, I mean, I think there's even a wedding category now. Yeah. I mean, some of them aren't included in the final. Okay. Um, so some of them remain on the periphery yeah. in a way. So which the kids' ones do. Um, um, I mean, I'm, I only judge the kids' awards yeah. f- up to the finals, and then I chair the judges' meeting where all the winners go forward mm. to be in the finals. Because um, you're not putting yourself forward to judge other wanna, photographers. I yeah, I don't <laughs> want any photographer to look at me and go, he didn't mark my work well or anything like that. So so I don't. So all the categories are divided between the various judges. Yeah. So I think there are five judges or so on each category. Yeah. And then we all come together at the end and decide on the main winner. 
which is quite an argumentative night. So that's when you're there to kind of guide them yeah, and give so, them your... Yeah, so, so yeah, um, Jay Rayner used to be the the chairman of the judges yeah. and he was quite sort of bossy and... I can imagine. So, <laughs> so I took over and I do it in a much more gentle manner <laughs> and give everyone their say. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, he would look at a photo and go, no one likes this, do they? Let's move on. Oh, yeah. So now I say... Does anyone want to say something good or yeah. bad or, you know? And has it ever come to fisticuffs? <laughs> it gets quite argumentative. Last year was particularly argumentative. Right. This year was actually pretty unanimous um, in its praise of certain photos, which was interesting. I think Ooh. this year some really stood out. Yeah. As being quite extraordinary photos. And actually two or three um, could easily have gone on to win any photographic competition. Yeah. They were so good. Um, the year before was quite a political argument because there was an image of dogs being taken off to, they were being hosed down to be taken off, uh, to be cooked and oh eaten. Oh, God. And the more political judges mm. really wanted that one to win. Mm. And so there was quite a tussle over whether this was really just a, making a political statement. Yeah, so, or, it was a, a, so politics does get involved. Yeah. And um, I, I think I was saying to you earlier that, that every photo is analysed quite deeply now yeah. with a story behind it. And um, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's not too argumentative. This year was definitely easier um, than last year. <laughs> how, many, how many years have you been involved in it since the I beginning? I think this is my, no, I missed the first year. Yeah. And then I was a judge until last year. And then last year was my first year as chairman of the yeah. judges. And how have you seen the, the like, the quality? Because you just said you've got some outstanding photographs. I imagine when you first kicked it off, it was it was difficult to, to get. People can be a bit reluctant about entering something they're not sure yeah. about and what the standard's going to be. And what I think because, it's because there, is, there aren't that many food photography competitions globally. And this one is really is global um i think last year's winner was from bangladesh and you know it, because no photographer it's all done blind so mm. no one knows the name of so the all the images are um put in and then and then judges yeah, just all it says them. is their category and a title oh, okay. there's no name on it and I think a lot of photographers think I'm seeing their names, and yeah. I'm not. I see it at exactly the same <laughs> time as chance. everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to David, he's yeah. not seen you yet. So, um, so it can be an amateur, it could be any age. Um, it's um, It really is global. And there are a lot of, I think because the last year's winner got a lot of publicity. Okay. Uh, and the winner definitely gets a huge amount of publicity. It's certainly one you want to win mm. as a photographer. And I think because he did, there were a lot of entries uh, from the East uh, this year. So there were quite a few from India and Bangladesh. And um, it was quite funny, actually. Some actually just almost copied last year's winner, I think. In the <laughs> I mean, that's winning. one way of um, but, um, doing it. But the, the quality this year is quite extraordinary. Mm. So the exhibition will be amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I... I saw the full shortlist at the same time as everyone else did online. Yeah. So, so I looked through it and it, was, it is quite amazing. Um, it definitely gets better every year. Yeah, I was going to say it seems to be something that has grown from like hugely in popularity. And also I think the idea of the food photographer is, is something that's become more and more yeah. popular, you know, I, I guess. And so much broader. I mean, 
you know, th this year there was everything. I mean, it, what's great is it does cover everything from, you know, the growing, the catching, the yeah. you know, the food in the wild, the food in the market, and and actually the least popular areas now are the sort of the finished food shots that yeah. you know you and I make for magazines well, and books. Yeah, because there um, we were saying it's kind of slightly out of context, isn't it? You take you take the recipe photo away from its from its recipe yeah, and absolutely. put it up on the wall and suddenly it's like it's a nice plate of food, but it's just a plate of food. Yeah. So. And you'd be amazed how many people say that around yeah. the table. <laughs> but it's just a plate of food. Yeah. Whereas the story behind the food is so extraordinary. Yeah. I mean one of the most popular categories um, is uh, the politics of food. So that gets a lot of entries. Um, and certainly street food and street markets, a lot of entries. And celebration of food is mm. always very popular. And I've noticed winners quite often come from that category yeah. rather than food portraiture or something yeah. like that. Um, and um, But but the, the sort of the breadth of stuff is so amazing now i mean very occasionally you do look at it and say say actually has this photo got anything to do with food yeah <laughs> you know i mean it's really, it's really tenuous really link to food. Tenuous. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah the standards are amazing i mean you've got to be really good to to win the mm. venture competition but you don't certainly don't have to be a professional because mm. you i mean you you're, you're known be, a lot of you've done over is it a hundred cookery books? Over a hundred and fifty. Yeah. All right, so since since last time, um, but yeah, I think people probably don't realise that your background is in art and in illustration, and I think you came up through um, more like still life photography and lifestyle photography and portraiture. Is that yeah, right? Well, what I did actually, I went to art college and studied mm. graphic design. Yeah, and. Illustration, the illustrative side of graphic design was what I loved. Mm. So, but um, I had a bully of a teacher. Uh, I was at Chelsea School of Art, and my head of department turned around to me at the end of my second year, and she said, "She said, darling, you do remind me of my daughter. She always wants to be something she she never would be." Oh God! So I sat there completely stunned, and I thought, actually, you know what? The next year, I'm going to avoid all tutoring. Yeah. So what I did was I hid in the dark room. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and um, either the pub or the darkroom. But but I was taking a lot of photographs because I'd use them to copy for my illustrations. Oh, okay. Um, and then when I became a collage artist, I'd use my photos within the illustrations. Yeah. But uh, so hiding in the darkroom, I I really got to love photography. Mm. But then during my degree show, my whole photographic side of my degree show, so it was the illustration side and the photographic side, was stolen by a fellow student so I had nothing to show for it what, they, what did they do with it they stole my cameras my negatives and my prints I mean what and then just took off I know exactly where they are they're in his um they're in his attic <laughs> and I only know this because there was a lovely story I was at art college in 80 I came out in 85 so yeah. it's quite a long time ago yeah. and my wife two Christmases ago tracked down my cameras <sighs> Uh, and tracked down the person that stole them and got him to admit that not only had he nicked my stuff, um, but he gave back my father's camera, which was extraordinary. Oh my God, that's and my mother, uh, my, sorry, my mother, my wife presented it to me as a Christmas present. 
and it was so sweet. Oh, I mean, I was in tears. I, was I opened say, it up. Did you cry? I opened I it up, and I said, "Oh my God, he found the exact same camera, camera as yeah. my father had." And then I looked at it, and it's amazing. Thirty years back, I was looking at it, thinking, "Oh my God, that is my father's camera." Wow! So it was amazing. But it meant when I left art college, I had nothing to show, yeah. so it was easier just to be an illustrator and get into sort of sucked into that world. Yeah. Um, and it was only really 20 years ago that I turned around and stamped my feet and said I've had enough mm. of being illustri an illustrator. And um, I was so sick of being in a studio on my own. I thought yeah. I can't spend the rest of my life doing this. <laughs> and people kept saying to me, come on, you're a good photographer, be yeah. a photographer. You want to be a photographer. So I literally overnight jump. stamped yeah. my feet and said I'm going to be a photographer. <laughs> so the quickest thing to do was to go out and photograph my friends. So I did this thing where I went to queue, photographed flowers a lot. Okay. Photographed portraits of friends. And if they had a quirky interior, I'd shoot their interior. Okay, so you learn all of those skills. And that's skills. how I yeah. put together my portfolio. Not sure I learned any skills in it. Other I'm sure than, you did. <laughs> other, than, other than a lack of fear of lights and things yeah. like that or lack of lights or and that's remained because no one's ever taught me how to use lights or or dark and shade it's all been natural it's all been a natural i mean i mean your your art background must help with so much of... certainly with my framing and yeah. my i'm obsessive about straight lines okay <laughs> so i hate it when i see a photographer on instagram who's not got the horizon straight I okay think, oh, you're like come okay. on you can just twist that a little bit um so how did you get hate. from photographing um plant flowers and people to yes yeah, so gardens illustrated okay. with my first commissioner yeah. really and they commissioned flower portraits oh. and i was really lucky i won a couple of awards and i think they won magazine of the year award and then i won garden photographer of the year which seemed bonkers at the time <laughs> um but i was doing a lot of portraits for them as well mm. and it was really through them that because they then launched food illustrated when it was really ahead of its God, time yeah, that was so i was back. shooting a lot for them with yeah. portraits and travel stories and food what was um, the scene like then i mean what kind of because one thing i was going to ask you because i've i've been around a while as well so when i first started in food it was it was still all on film and you would get your you'd have your polaroid back and they would send the film off down to the developers to get the clips just to make sure that everything was all right and you see again because i wasn't yeah. <laughs> trained i didn't know you had to do that i love it you're like so you're just complete so cowboy. i would do the polaroid and i just point it at the client yeah. and say it's going to look like that and they go okay <laughs> um are you not going to send it to lab no <laughs> no it's fine i can't really gonna... afford to anyway but i mean in terms of like the setup then i guess you probably did a few less shots a day no i no? didn't again no one told me you were only allowed to do two a day I, know. <laughs> I got into terrible trouble with photographers at the time and said so they'd say come up to me at awards things yeah. and say you're ruining our career you know we do two a day <laughs> you're doing 12 a day how, how can you do that to us you know it's but it's it's all I knew really, and I mm. suppose because I wasn't using lights, I was daylight from the start. Yeah, so you weren't you were sort of weren't restricted by having to do that massive setup at the beginning of the day. And the, fir know. the first person who commissioned me to do food was a woman called Joan Tinney, who was the picture editor at Cosmopolitan. Yeah, right. 
And she phoned me up and said, we've got this new thing. It's called 30-Minute Meals. <laughs> and um, we're going to do this way before Jamie. Yeah. And it said, we're going to do these things. And we're going to have a timer and do a meal in 30 minutes. Can you shoot it for us? And I said to her, well, I've never shot food. And she said, oh, just shoot it like your flowers. <laughs> so, okay, soft. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. Nice background, soft. So when the chef came over, it was a guy called Richard Er, er, Richard er, Alec, yeah, the yes. old, yeah, yeah, the, and he, yeah. he turned up, and he really sweet little guy, and he looked at my setup, and I had an armchair <laughs> with a drawing board resting on the arms, with an angle poise holding up a, a tin foil yeah. covered um, <laughs> board as my reflector. I love it. And he said, he just said, "Is that it?" I said, "I think so." That's, I mean. It's how I shoot my flowers. <laughs> and he went, well, okay. So that's how I started. You're just going to be the poster boy for every maverick photographer out there who's like, Oh, you know, I was so Blue Peter. I mean, actually, Blue Peter was really helpful in time. <laughs> but but <laughs> I was, I was quite Blue Peter. Peter. <laughs> well, I did a couple of things where where we I was doing illustrations when I was quite young. And yeah. we'd send them into Blue Peter. And I remember... They invited us into the studio once, mm. and I remember seeing my first ever reflector. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's clever. <laughs> I can use that. So later on, that's what I did. I used to just coat a piece of white card with tinfoil, mm. and I'd use the white card on one side and the tinfoil if I wanted more light reflected in. But you were asking about what we use. We use transparency. Yeah. And that was hard. Yeah. But it's a great learner because if you – make a mistake on transparency you suffer because it's, there's nothing that no. can bring it back if you overexpose as well it costs you a lot of money to do you know i mean well, film versus digital it's i mean when i was sort of i say i think i must have gone digital about 10 years ago mm. and my lab in the king's road phoned me and said are you really going digital and I said, yes, I have to. And I was quite early going digital. Mm. I said, I have to. I must do. My clients are asking for it, and mm. I must do it. And they said, okay, we might have to close King's Road if you go digital. Oh. And it, he's, it wasn't just me, but a few photographers had basically said that we were going to yeah. jump. And they said, you're currently spending 90000 a year in film and processing oh alone. God. And you can see how that immediately would have... Closed down those huge... Yeah. yeah which was terribly sad, but we didn't really have any choice. No. How did it change? The, did it change the way you worked from the, from film to digital? Did it sort of? It uh, I mean, <laughs> the, of course, the weird thing is you, you, you earn a lot less money because everything was marked up, yeah. which, again, I didn't realise for quite a yeah. while. And when I put in my bills for film and processing, <laughs> undercutting everyone, <laughs> people would say, "Oh, that's not right. You're supposed to charge twice as much than that." And I didn't realize all these markups. Of course, with digital, there were no markups because you do it all yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard. It was harder work, and the early digital was really tough. Yeah. Really tough, and actually, I, I've been looking at some of the. It's my, it's my twenty fifth year. Yeah. I think now as a photographer and I've been looking at having an exhibition later this year and we've been looking at some of the old files right. from the early days, particularly the flower files to yeah. blow up and they're so corrupted. I mean, it's almost like they were on film or something. It's, it's weird. They won't go through any of the processes. They're, you know, they're, they're messy, mm. really mucky. 
<laughs> so, I mean, these days it must be a lot. I, I guess what, what was happening at the time was everyone was just kind of learning and the software was different and the hardware was different and just a bit more it clunky was, and harder to use. There was, and, there was nothing online yeah. about it. There no. was, it was really hard work. And the labs weren't really willing to help. The repro houses weren't willing to help because no. they were losing jobs. Yeah. Um, it was really tough, actually. Yeah. We all made a lot of mistakes. One of the, the first Jamie book we, we shot digitally was Jamie's Kitchen. And I look at it now, and the repro house made a terrible job of the repro. Really? And, and I'm pretty sure it was partly on purpose because they said they initially they refused to allow me to shoot digital wow. they said they wanted it on film because of course they get all the repro costs. yeah 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 of course but it's so badly printed oh. and what about um so bearing in mind your your mothering past i think um and photographers i think a lot of people think that in order to be a food photographer it's necessary to go to college or assist a food photographer for however many years i mean what do you think about that that journey that kind of I mean, it is a difficult one for me having not yeah, done that journey. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm hardly one to say go to college. I think going to college for three years, photographic college, is a journey everyone should take. It's, yeah, because regardless, it is, it because is, you're not just learning about... It's your, yeah. it's your chance to experiment. It's your chance to use film again. It's um, A lot of the... Um, current colleges are getting you to shoot on film are they they're yeah. going back to that and you know learning to use a dark room and things like that it does teach you a huge amount yeah um does it teach you a lot about being commissioned probably not mm. as a photographer it's more sort of art-based photography yeah um, but it it does give you that three years of mucking about and you know playing with cameras finding out who you which are you, as yeah, well and what which kind you of photographer have. you are I mean, I know from the number of people who ask to assist me, it's a huge number. Yeah. And many of those people have gone through college and then they're so experienced with use of Photoshop okay. and manipulation and things like that. But I don't I don't use any of that. Mine's okay. all quite natural. All so right. so it's not really my world. Um I do use assistance for advertising jobs. Right. But it's really to make sure it's partly for show because yeah. clients expect it, but it's also just to make sure everything's working and you don't forget anything. Yeah. I mean, even now we still make, I make mistakes, assistants make mistakes. Um, Do you think and your heart always sinks when yeah. you've made a mistake? <laughs> Do you think you're a better food photographer because you're not just a food, as in that's not just the only thing that you do? I don't, I don't know. I'm never one who thinks myself as a decent food photographer, really, but. I assume I do something right, but <laughs> but you know I see a lot of great food photographers mm. who spend their whole time just shooting yeah, food. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thing with me is it would drive me nuts. Right, it really would. Um, I'm far too, you know, free and easy to. <laughs> I need to be out. Are you happier to... when you're? Because we we run one of your books actually, which was. Um, Bots fishtails fishtails yeah. yeah and that was what, an amazing experience yeah. well i was going to say what was beautiful about the book was um and for people that don't know bot i'm sorry i've forgotten his surname he's called bot van olfen bot van olfen um went around the world looking at sustainable fisheries and how people um all over were, were kind of keeping you know, and it was a celebration of fish yeah. but a celebration of how 
how we can fish and still keep the planet healthy um, with lots of recipes, lots of repertoire photography as well. And it's it was a really great book. Oh, thank you. I mean, we did it in conjunction with the MSC, yeah. uh, the Sustainability Marine Sustainability Council, and we and the World Wildlife Fund actually helped us as well. Yeah. And it was really when he was really pushed by um, a fact that he saw the World Wildlife Fund, after global warming, the mm. biggest threat to humanity was overfishing. Yeah. And um, so he's he's become probably one of the global experts on sustainability. Um, he discovered that, I think it's in 40 years' time, he will turn around to his children and his children will turn around to him and say, Papa, what do fish taste like? Wow. I mean, there will literally be no fish in the sea at the current rate. It's so depressing. Which is extraordinary, really. And, of course, the knock-on effect of that is amazing. So we did this amazing journey around the world to uh, visit all the sustainable mm. s communities and see how also it affects their community. Yeah. And Because um, you've got things like, you know... It there's a lot of bad press about, say, prawn farms in Asia. Yeah. But then there's people who are trying to do, trying to do it properly and not destroy exactly. their habitats. And actually, st it, and it is possible. It just takes care and it takes time as well. It's so is, yeah, it's so possible. And actually, it pays for those who embrace sustainability. Mm. A bit like organics, if you if you embrace it, it does work yeah. and it does pay. But it was an amazing job, and visiting the communities, you get to do, you know, I get to do portraits, yeah. do landscapes. That's what I mean. It's everything the in the book job. is, it, it sort of yeah. all feeds off each other and becomes this gorgeous, like, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely when I'm at my happiest, yeah. when I'm shooting everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, I do a lot for Condé Nast Traveller, and it's the same thing. It's the portraits, mm. the landscapes, the interiors, the food, the people. It's it's everything, really. Mm. Um, and I love that. I don't mind. Uh, it's, it, I, I Sometimes I'll spend a week shooting food in the studio, but actually it's quite rare. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite a relief sometimes. To have that little, so you're not running around the world. Yeah, you're just kind particularly of if I do a sort of fashion-y or beauty shoots for yeah. a few days <laughs> and um you can sort of you know it can get a bit well i'm trying to think of a word that sounds polite but it's um a little vacuous at yeah. times i suppose I and um it's quite a sort of shallow world yeah. that that i'm working in and and it's fun but it's it's temporary mm. And what's lovely about shooting books and magazines is you should always think of it as something that's fairly permanent. Yeah. I mean, I always like to think of magazines the way I treat magazines, which is I keep them. Mm. Um, I don't tend to throw them away. Yeah, how many have you got? Are you... Oh, probably, <laughs> you know, I've got quite a lot, actually. <laughs> is your wife a hoarder as well, or is she kind of like no, David? No, quite, <laughs> quite, quite the opposite. I mean, I think magazines are having quite a good little resurgence yeah, at the I, moment. I'm... A, I'm People keep telling me that, um, unfortunately, the food magazine market's going down. But I, I see people reading and buying and posting stuff. And I just think, you know, it's it's affordable luxury, isn't it? It's That's what's yeah. really nice about it. It's four or five pounds once a month of something that you can flick through and keep. And it's tactile. And, you know, I love them. I have to say, and I get no pleasure, really, from looking up a recipe online and no. doing it. Whereas flicking through, marking your pages or yeah. putting the... It's, I mean, I don't know if that's because I'm an old fart, but I don't think it is because I'm... 
behave like a child and and sort of you know I adore reading yeah so maybe I'm maybe not it's the right more person. of it yeah but I like looking at pictures on paper mm. I don't get a lot of joy out of looking pictures on screens can we talk about pictures on screens and talk yes. about Instagram um because obviously that's where a lot of food and portrait and travel and things collide yeah. um I mean you're you're a big fan of Instagram, aren't you? You've even I'm got... I'm not actually, funny enough. You've got your own filter, haven't you? Like your I have own got Instagram my, filter on I do. Hipstamatic. I, on Hipstamatic, <laughs> there's a Loftus lens, yeah. which means you can, it, basically you can go into a restaurant and shoot food beautifully. And it that was the like plan for it. it. <laughs> uh, yeah. They have Loftus Thursdays in America. Do they? Where people go and shoot on their Loftus lenses. I love it. Which is very sweet. Yeah. I've been stopped in the street in New York and people have photographed me on the Loftus lens. That's brilliant. <laughs> Meta. So what um so what I mean you... I have a love hate relationship okay. with Instagram. The 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 treatment certainly since they were bought by Facebook as right. well. The treatment of copyright is it's dodgy at best, yeah. yeah. Um it used to be horrendous. They took your copyright, but nowadays they sort of just make it as blurry as possible. I mean anyone like the Daily Mail or anyone can can use your just photography take just it, take yeah. it they're just supposed to credit you and instagram um but it's it's blurry at best mm. um i have real moral dilemmas with the fact they will show violence on instagram and not censor it whereas mm. you know they won't show a nipple violence somehow is accepted so yeah. i have a real problems sometimes with instagram as a company um foodie wise i mean it's amazing really mm. and with geotagging and quite often if i go to a restaurant i will look at their instagram account but then look at where they are and see who else has eaten there and see what they've eaten oh, okay so i find that quite so rewarding like, particularly when i'm abroad yeah um what do you think about i mean i i've heard i've actually met a couple of people who um have got kind of book deals off the back of their Instagram account, which I find a bit kind of good, but, you know, they're doing the photography as well. I mean... It, yeah, I mean, so. I, I've I've set up people, I just set up the Moran Girls on Instagram. Oh, okay. And uh, they had a book deal within about eight weeks, I think, of being put on Instagram. I mean, it's yeah. good for looking for people. Mm. Um, looking for photographers is a... Yeah, I also found that a bit bit strange. of a dodgy one. <laughs> I mean, quite a few ad agencies have chosen Instagram photographers to shoot campaigns. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, from what I've heard, and that's from the commissioners, it's quite often ended in tears. Right. Um, I mean, the big problem is there's a big difference between shooting something on your phone and shooting something for a billboard. Yeah, I was going to say, because a campaign is, it's not just getting, even getting the, it's everything that goes along with that. There's it's so the much involved. And so much money involved as well. And a huge number of people. There's a lot of people management. Yeah. Um, you do need a big camera. Yeah. <laughs> there's no getting around it. Um, so you can't just turn up with your mobile phone no. and... <laughs> Um, a lot of people management, a lot of pre-production and mm. post-production and things. And um, some people find that the whole ad world too stressful, actually. Mm. You are expected to perform. I mean, I shoot a lot. Uh, I shoot most of the time without a tripod. Right. But when it comes to advertising, I'm not allowed. To, <laughs> I'm not allowed to not use a tripod. Yeah. 
Do you expect um, it to be there with my tripod? <laughs> <laughs> Looking for, with your professional yeah, photographer head yeah. on. A lot of it is about look, but yeah. but also you can't let the side down. No. I mean, too much is at stake. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people on bigger money than you are who are there protecting their careers. Absolutely. And, um, so there's a lot of that. So if you end up using a blogger or an in you know, a purely Instagram photographer, you you are taking, taking a risk. That little risk. Yeah. Um, but I mean there are some great ones. Yeah. And you know, some of the entries to the blogging and phone yeah, there's side a food, of there's a food blogging um category, isn't there, which is which I think covers people who have like blogs on like on the internet as well as Instagram yeah. accounts as well. And there are some really lovely ones. Yeah. Really lovely ones. And then the the food, uh, there's the, the phone snap yeah. side of the competition as which well. Which is just called on the phone, I think. That yeah. Tough, which and is, some of the quality of that is amazing. Mm. Amazing. I mean, I saw I saw the shortlist, as I said, just the other day. Mm. And there were some lovely photos. Yeah. I mean, I don't always agree with the winners of the categories, but I don't judge them. So I initially, all I see is the winners of each category, mm. except for the children. So I do, I do all the youth categories. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love doing the youth categories because some of them are just hysterical. I mean, actually, <laughs> uh, hysterical as in funny, as yeah. in made to make you laugh. Yeah. And I love Because the they're fact, thinking about it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So they might make a face or something out of a potato or whatever <laughs> they're not thinking of food no. in such a serious yeah, manner no. so i love doing the it's children's kind of irreverent nice um and i sort of prefer it to doing the serious yeah. adult stuff um do you have a an amazing phone camera i mean do you do you get like the best possible camera you can get on your phone <laughs> i mean i actually just use an iphone do you? which i think i mean there are some which have more pixels. Yeah. I mean, because I use my Hipstamatic. Yeah. It's about three meg, I think, right. per shot. So you can use it in a book right. or in a magazine. Really? Okay. It's never going to be brilliant. No. I mean, the other thing is, of course, you muck around with the colors so much these days. Yeah. They don't necessarily repl- re- replicate into print. Mm-hmm. So... They can look quite fuzzy when they actually when they come get out. onto it. Yeah, I know they shot a whole issue of Bon Appetit last year, didn't That's they? That's right on the iPhone. So yeah, and everyone was waxing lyrical about it, but actually, when you looked at it closely, yeah, the poor Repro House must have had a nightmare yeah. matching some <laughs> of the colours. But it, I mean, it was fine. I thought it looked all right, but my art editor was sort of, oh my god, you know, because you you've. I've, You've got an eye for whatever's happening. Yeah, with it. I was, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we when we did the lens, the the the, lo- the loftus <laughs> the lens, lens, we we managed to get it to fade out so gradually towards the edge, so oh. it's perfectly focused in, yeah, the center, in the center, and then it fades out very gradually yeah. to the edge. But the technology to do that is quite tricky. Yeah, I mean, I kept suggesting <laughs> things to them, and they say, "No, nah, you can't, can't do, do that. You can't do that." <laughs> Um, so we tried to make it a little more arty. So we gave the borders, we've made the same as if mm. it had been transparency. Because you used to get little nicks in the border. Oh, yeah, of course. Where wind on the in film. The film yeah. So we've done things like that. So it looks pretty mm-hmm. and it blows up very painterly. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily want that in a magazine. <laughs> and I, one of the things with focus as well, obviously, if you use the lens, it's always focused in the center the same. Yeah. 
and you know a pet hate with food photography is where you put the focus yeah and that's something you can only learn really with experience with doing it again and again and, yeah. yeah and it's you know it's about what's in focus and what's not in focus yeah. and you know there was a real phase so at one point of everything being soft yeah to the point you couldn't, couldn't see anything couldn't see the food but also you know with magazines if something's very soft it can look just like a splotch yeah and weird things happen digitally as well when things are way out of focus you get these quite strange um sort of blurring and colors sort of yeah. merge together it's quite weird when you see things printed and fashions have changed so much in food photography because there was it, like you said at one point there was lots of out focus or really really close-up food where you literally couldn't even tell what the food was oh yeah know? and do you remember the titanic angles where everything was on a slope oh yeah so it looked like it was <laughs> tilting off the plate tilting off the um yeah. surface and at the minute over, overhead and sort yeah of super and, sharp and i know and i know i'm partly, to partly to blame for mm. that but i always the thing with overhead is that most chefs mm. and most food stylists plate things overhead yeah so they are looking down at it so it makes a lot of sense, sense really to do that and then you get the spread of i was going to ask you actually because there's a new category this year which is the food stylist category well, yeah which i saw quite late on yeah i did i did i did actually judge on the food so yeah. I, I have put in my favorites i don't know who won that category mm. The standard was so high. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think people who don't work on magazines or haven't been on a shoot probably think, well, people, you just put the food down on the plate. But actually, a really good food stylist can rescue anything. I mean, they're just, it's, the, they've got that, because you've got, you're, you're going to take the final shot, but their kind of arrangement of the food, and we're not talking about primping it for hours, we're just talking about making it look, as gorgeous as possible yeah. and as natural and as a, possible. A, and certainly for you and me doing yeah. books and <laughs> magazines particularly, it's got to look natural. Yeah. It's got to look, there's no no point at looking cold or, um, and and I think you'll, you'll agree with this, there are far few cheats than there used to be. Oh, God, I mean, yeah. And what that does as well is it prevents wastage, so we mm. eat the food afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but um, the the food stylist category, I, I noticed, I mean, there are people who are performing quite sort of high artistic endeavours yeah. in food styling. Yeah, yeah. There are very few who are doing the naturalistic um, plates. It's much more the sort of almost like food sculpture. Oh, okay. I mean, there are some extra. Have you seen the list? I mean, some extraordinary well, I, ones. Yeah, I clicked onto that, but I didn't know whether I didn't see the images on there, so I didn't oh, know whether right. they've it's, been uploaded um, or not. It may not have been. Yeah. So, so I have I have seen that category, and some of them are unbelievable. Yeah, because you've got obviously when we talked before about advertising campaigns, there'll be stuff like you know working with chocolate or caramel or or ice cream or something, which is incredibly tricky to work with, and then you've got like. I mean, versus a really natural salad that someone's put together that just looks honestly. Beautiful. When I, I have one of my old assistants, Rosie Scott, became a very well-known food stylist, and sometimes I listen to her briefs, mm. and they're extraordinary. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I need an octopus as if it's flying through the air, but <laughs> but but it's got to be in ice, yeah, or you know, something set in a 
jelly or multiples of jellies or <laughs> or can you build a larder car out of vegetables yeah. or uh, cakes and amazing briefs yeah. and of course they sit there and go yep and it's only afterwards they sweat and go, oh, my God, how am I going to make that? Yeah. And I, you... I think they have such a hard job as well. You know, they've been sent off to find apricots in the depth of winter when they're just literally there are not any of it. I, I've been, I, I remember like way back when I was a freelance home ec assistant being sent to Harrods. To, so, to pay a hundred quid for a punnet of cherries, which were like cherries bullets. in Harrods. Yeah. Are, it's just <laughs> they run in this complete little racket. Harrods are with a the, week later, yeah. and they're back to <laughs> five pound a punnet yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's never cheap in Harrods, but a week before the harvest yeah, in Spain, Harrods will a, have them in there. Yeah, but you're paying fifteen pound a cherry. <laughs> yeah, they really are as well. Yeah, I think it would be cheaper to get them made by a, you know a little um, model maker or something. There is a wonderful model maker that we use sometimes if we really need something. I, yeah, I did a job recently for Nespresso, and we um, we needed vanilla flowers. Wow, to go with our vanilla specific. pods. Okay. And there was only one way of getting it made, and they are extraordinary. Mm. And while I was on the phone to him, I said, because we were going to have the cherry problem. I, said, I can't believe the cherry problem is still happening. He goes, oh, yes, I have plenty of cherries. <laughs> and we, we did a job the following week where they said, oh, we want you to shoot this margarine, mm. and we need the sun rising behind it. I thought, mm. well, okay, that's over a horizon. So we're thinking, right, south coast over the horizon. Oh, but we need a field of oilseed rape in front of the oh, camera and and behind the margarine. So, ah, okay, it's not in season. So I phoned up the model maker and he said, oh, funny enough, I've just made a field of oilseed rape. A field? A field. So basically <laughs> he'd made an area about 15 foot square oh, wow. of oilseed rape. And we realized actually that's all you needed. Mm. Because the sunrise was going to blur it yeah, all it's out. Blur it right. So you just need so your first little I still bin. have um, a square foot of my field of oilseed rape at my home. So if anyone needs just in to case. hire someone, <laughs> come see David. Just in case. Yeah. Um, just to finish up, can we, um, could you give people who are listening a few simple tips like if you're out for example if you if you want to take a really lovely picture on your phone you're in a restaurant you want to up your instagram blogging game um what sort of things can they look out for i mean the ideal thing is take it to the window yeah if you're i i if i know say i'm doing a shoot for condon as traveler yeah. and they'll say we haven't got time to stop for a shoot but you can take your photos of your food as you eat it mm. which is always fine for me it's much less quite, fuss yeah, yeah, and yeah. i quite like to just order from the menu yeah so i'll say can i have a table outdoors or if there's not one mm. a table by the window taking something to the window it's so fast and easy. I actually think sometimes a restaurant will prefer if you just say quickly, can I just pop outside with my dish? Do you mind? Mm. I just want to take a photograph for Rather it. It's quite complimentary to a restaurant yeah. that you want to take their photo yeah. and post it, I would think. Mm. And then always credit the restaurant yep. and the chef if yep. you can, because it's their artwork. But it's much better than standing on the chair and trying to do an overhead yeah. definitely never use flash because yeah. that drives people nuts <laughs> and it also makes the food look terrible yeah um but certainly take it to the window or take it outside i always think 
I've, I mean, I have shot some food on some terrible surfaces, mm. like flagstones and shelves and things, but actually look really lovely with a bit of soft focus. So basically, it's, yeah, getting the surface. In just there find well. a little nice surface. I used to carry a surface in my camera bag, yeah, which was a little wooden board. Um, but I got bored of the board, so I was I'm, say, I'm not. That's, that's a real dedication, is it? Yeah, comes with all I used surface. to do that. You can now get surfaces that you can roll up, which I think are really quite cool. Okay. So you can get sort of photographed met metallic surfaces mm. and things like that, which you can roll them up and put them in your bag. Yeah. Um, I've started printing my own now, which I like to do. So if I see a beautiful surface somewhere, say I'm in Greece or somewhere, and I see a lovely door and think, oh, that would make a great surface, yeah. I photograph it. What, and then, like, and then I print it. it. Yeah, I print it back at home. Oh, wow. And make my own surface. And yeah. it's quite, I'll tell you, because you see the same surfaces again and again and again everywhere, it's really quite nice to use your own piece. Yeah. And, you, you know, once you start looking, you see them everywhere. <laughs> Possible surfaces. Yeah. But you can then just roll them up and put them in, or they're disposable. Or, mm. um, but I'd definitely say go to the window. Um, I hate reflected lights in food right you know reflected lights in food and in plates it, you know it's so much nicer when it's flat and plain it's flat, yeah. so i use a napkin <laughs> so what, where it's, do you position that you so, get someone to hold the napkin up for you yes <laughs> yeah my poor fellow diner yeah. will often have to hold the napkin because you can't put up a reflector no they're massive <laughs> i mean you could but you wouldn't be very popular no and i've seen it done in restaurants and again it's so in the way and yeah. it's intrusive so i do use a napkin okay and it works i mean it really does work um if I don't have a napkin, I just use my own body. <laughs> um, and actually, the number of times I've shot food outside yeah. where it's been bright sunshine and it's just in the shade of my body, yeah. it's just a countless number of times. <laughs> but it, again, it does work. No one really knows you've done that. You might look a bit of an idiot when you're doing it. Mm. And do you ever, like, re restyle the food, like move stuff around? take that bit of parsley off <laughs> i have been known to remove a garnish or yeah, two yeah i was gonna say sometimes a in a offensive garnish and you know obviously if there's a lovely egg you'll want to break the egg and yeah. get a nice bit of oozy egg and but i mean i never muck around with it too much okay so you so you can get in there and just kind of have a little bit of interaction with it yeah to, to I mean, bring it to life certainly professionally yeah i never muck around with the food no. so uh, this is talking about putting something on instagram yeah, yeah, or of course. whatever this is just like your um but certainly professionally i don't and you know obviously the food stylist is so good so good yeah um jamie used to have this really big thing of you know, plating up a piece of food. And he's probably one of the world's best food stylists. Mm. But he'd plate up a plate of food and then watch the photographer pick it apart oh, and then rebuild it. No. And, uh, you know, he just said, wow, you know, um, this is obviously what, this is what he thought always that, happened when he started did, out. Yeah. Then he got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, you know what you're doing, I'm leaving yeah, you alone. You, you know what you're up to. That's great. Well, that was so, so brilliant, David. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us today and telling us all about the awards. Um, people can go and see all of the shortlists at um, www.pinkladyfoodphotographeroftheyear.com or is it .co.uk? Um, either one of those. It's too um, much information I know, for it's, me. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so long. We need a, we need a shorter version. It's an amazing gallery of work. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's well beautiful. worth... 
Because it's, it's going to be on at the Mall Galleries. The Mall Galleries, yeah. Which, which down on yeah, um, and they show everything. So they London. they show the whole whole shortlist. Yeah. So you do get get to see everything. So you can actually argue amongst yourselves about what should win and shouldn't win. Great. And no and, and actually really the reproductions because I've been for the last few years to the the awards and the the reproductions that are that are hung on the walls are fantastic. Yeah, I they're mean, beautifully printed. Beautifully yeah. printed and huge as well. So you really get a yeah. showcase for the people's work. Um, and you can find all the dates for that on the website. But um, but yeah, can't wait to see it. And thanks so much again for coming to chat. Thank with you. Us. I enjoyed it. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd really love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new April issue on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. <laughs>